You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast, episode number five. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. No drama here, just information you can actually use. Now your host, Amy Porterfield. Hey everybody, Amy Porterfield here, and welcome to another edition of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. And today's session is a little extra special. The reason for that is that many of you actually asked for it. About, let's see, four months ago, I did a survey and I asked you what you wanted to learn the most from this podcast. And I asked you things like, what sites do you visit the most? Who do you trust to teach you about list building, content creation, product marketing, social media? You know, where do you spend your time online? And so many of you said HubSpot. And so what I've done is I've asked the chief marketing officer of HubSpot, Mike Volpe, to come on the show and share with us some of his wisdom. Now, for those of you who aren't completely familiar with HubSpot, they offer inbound marketing software. Now, the software allows you to blog and tweet and capture leads, optimize your SEO, view analytics, basically everything you need to do with your marketing for your business, they pull it all into one spot, hence the name HubSpot. So it's a fantastic tool. Many of my clients use it and have gotten great success. Now, our guest today, Mike, has been at HubSpot since 2007. He was employee number five. Now, today they have over 500 employees, so he's been with them since the very beginning. He heads up their lead generation and branding strategy through inbound marketing. And to brag on Mike just a bit, since he's joined HubSpot, the company has grown from 10 customers to well over 8,500 customers and raised $65 million in venture capital. Pretty impressive to say the least. Now, a little housekeeping before we jump in, I wanted to remind you that you can find all of my show notes on my website. So the way you find my show notes is based on the episode number. So this is episode number five. So all you need to do is go to amyporterfield.com forward slash five. That's the number five. And you'll find all the links and any images and videos and anything we talk about in the show, you'll find links or the actual content inside of the show notes. So you definitely want to go check those out at amyporterfield.com forward slash five. So let's go ahead and jump in. Mike, thanks so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so psyched to be here. Thanks for having me. Definitely. So tell me a little bit about HubSpot and why it's different than, let's say, the average social media site or even the regular online marketing site. I mean, your blog covers so much, but tell me a little bit about why it's different and really what is inbound marketing? Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of ways I think HubSpot is different from a lot of other things. I think in terms of the, the content and the information that we provide, we're huge proponents of inbound marketing. And I think that the way to think about inbound marketing is it's marketing to people the way that they want to be marketed to. So no one likes getting cold calls. No one likes having their mailbox filled with a bunch of, you know, junk mail. Uh, but people are still buying things. People are searching in Google. They're asking their friends on social media. And what inbound marketing is is a collection of all the techniques that you should use in order to attract people to you by marketing to them the way that they want to be marketed to. So essentially just being a helpful resource and content marketing is an important part of that. Social media marketing is an important part of that. Uh, Search engine optimization and SEO is an important part of inbound marketing. Uh, But that's fundamentally what inbound marketing is. uh, And that's what we do most of our 
our publishing and content and advice about. You do so much on your site. So you've got the eBooks, obviously the blog articles, you do webinars, reports, case studies. Now for someone that's trying to do it all, but obviously we know they can't, what's one of the most important strategies that you've discovered on your site for lead generation to collect those names and emails? Yeah. So really specifically around around lead generation, I think the one tip I would have for most folks is have a strong call to action. So whether it's on the homepage of your site or also on the, you know, probably at the bottom at the end of every single blog article that you write, uh, or even as part of like some, not all, but some of your social media messages, have a link to some lead generation offer that people can click on and actually, you know, convert on something that goes to a landing page where you're collecting that lead information. So many sites that I see, uh, especially among smaller businesses, you go to the homepage and there's no strong call to action. There's nothing there that's, um, you know, enticing people to click on it and then give you their contact information. Uh, when you read blog articles on a lot of sites, when you finish the blog article, it sort of just ends and says sort of like, hey, hope you enjoyed that. And like, that's it. And you should always have a strong call to action to every end of every blog article. Um, and if you know, if you go to hubspot.com on our homepage and also on blog.hubspot.com, which is where our blog is, you'll see good examples of how, of how we do that in most cases. And I think um, you know, the results that we've seen from businesses that just, just do that, just have a strong call to action uh, are really, really significant. Uh, we've seen blogs get two to three times more leads just by adding a call to action at the bottom of each blog article. You know, I do a lot of webinar trainings and I taught the whole strategy of adding an opt-in at the end of the blog. And I used HubSpot as the number one example. You do that so well. I think the coolest thing you do is, the way I see it at least, is what you're giving away at the end of that blog post usually has something to do with that blog. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think there, and it's interesting, and maybe this is a good opportunity to talk a little bit about sort of, you know, obviously we provide all this content and all this thought leadership, but we sell software and that's how we make money because we all need to make money to pay our salaries at the end of every day. And so what our software is, is this marketing platform that people can use, companies can use uh, to do inbound marketing. So you use it for social media, you use it for blogging, you can use it for landing pages, you can do email with it, marketing automation, you can do analytics, you can do um, you know, search engine optimization, and it's got all those things all in one place, which is why it's a really great solution both for, uh, you know, for bigger companies, but also for smaller companies. And one of the things that our software does is it will do what's called what we call uh, smart CTAs or smart calls to action. And what that means is that you can um, take your, your list, your database of contacts, and put them into different groups. And maybe you have a group of people that um, are at bigger companies that you're selling to. And maybe there's another group that are at smaller companies. And what it can do is, is at the bottom of that blog article, it can actually display a different call to action based on who people are and where they are in your sales and marketing process. Wow. So someone who doesn't know you quite as well, maybe you want them the, at the bottom of the blog article, maybe you're going to offer them an ebook. For someone who's maybe already downloaded a couple ebooks, maybe you actually want to do a trial consultation or talk to a salesperson or something like that. 
Um, and you can do that as well. So I think what you're talking about in terms of both tailoring the call to action to the content that um, is in the blog article, that's really uh, very effective. And then in addition to that, even personalizing it to different audiences and having it actually switch or even do A-B optimization, things like that, um, that may be getting a little bit more advanced for some folks, but that stuff can also be really, really effective. No, I think that's fantastic. I mean, segmentation is the name of the game these days. You know, there's so much information out there and people are consuming it in so many different ways. But if you can really hone in on what they need and how you want to interact with them, holy cow, I think it changes the game. Yeah, well, I think that there's big companies that do this really well. I mean, when I go to Amazon.com, the page that I see is very different than the page that my wife sees because she and I are interested in purchasing different products. And if Amazon showed me the page that they showed to her, I wouldn't be purchasing a lot of things from them uh, and vice versa. And I think what we're trying to do and what we think all companies should think about doing is how can they take that, take some of the type of personalization and do it on their own website. And you, know, you may not have tens of millions of products the way Amazon does, but you know, you probably have a couple different offers that you're trying to use for lead generation. You have some different content. You might provide a couple different services. And as much as you can tailor those to the individual people that are coming to your website or your blog, uh, the better results that you're going to get. Yes, for sure. You know, I work with a lot of people that are just starting out with their online marketing and they're just starting out with their giveaway. I call it the signature promotional giveaway, that one giveaway that they're going to start out with to collect names and emails. But I always say you're going to obviously grow your list faster if you have a few different options for people. People like to learn in different ways, listen in different ways. So I love the idea of having multiple opt-ins and then segmenting and personalizing them to the audience. So that's great. Yeah, and when we started, uh, you know, when I started HubSpot, the company was five people. I was the first marketing person that they hired, uh, that the co-founders brought on. And, uh, you know, we've grown a lot since then. The company's now 500 people. The marketing team is like 40 people. So we've definitely taken things to an extreme. But back in early 2007, I created our first offer and I did a webinar and then I turned the slides from the webinar into an ebook and that was like the first thing that we did. And from that point of starting with that one, we now have over 150 different offers wow. between webinars and ebooks and different topics and things like that. And I will tell you that our conversion rates have gone up as we've had more and more offers. So it's just the more options you can have for people, the more topical things that you can have, the better. But you're absolutely right. The most important thing is just pick one, get started with one, show some success with one, and then do another one, and then do another one. Because you need really the most important thing is just to get started. And it's so great that you've got to start somewhere. You're so right. You start with a webinar, turn it into an ebook. I love the whole repurposing of the content. And that, how long ago was that? So the first one was, it was the beginning of 2007. Okay. And now, uh, so it was, yeah, it was almost six years ago. And how many clients do you have now at HubSpot? Uh, so there's over 8,500 companies, wow. uh, actually in, in over 50 different countries. Yeah. We just announced our results for 2012. Our revenue grew 82% to 53 million in revenue. Um, and so, yeah, it's, and again, when I started, we had a handful of customers, uh, it was very small. So we've been able to grow a lot. And, and I, and I do think that inbound marketing has been a key part of our success because we could reach and attract a really, really big audience for not that much money. Uh, and I think that that's something that, you know, you talk to, um, you know, everyone that you talk to about is like, how do you leverage these things, uh, to attract more people at a lower cost? Yes. And, you know, 
I look at HubSpot as one of the big boys. You know, you have a lot of clients now. You guys are making great money, but you started really simple. I mean, you were the first marketing guy on the team. And I used to work with Tony Robbins. And one of the things that he always taught me was don't shy away from learning from the big guys. Don't think that Coca-Cola and, you know, the big Starbucks and whoever are people that you can't aspire to because you just model the best. So what I do is I go on HubSpot all the time, find out what you guys are doing, find out what you guys are teaching, model how you are marketing, and it changes my business too. So I'm glad you kind of talk about your humble beginnings, but also the fact that you're really solid. I mean, your success has been huge. Yeah, thanks, and and it's and it's great to know that that you're actually you know reading our content and sharing it with folks. I, I think that um, you know the, the advantage that a lot of the people that you talk to have over HubSpot is you know we're now 500 people and um, we do not move as quickly now as we used to when we were five people or 50 people. And so in many ways, if you take some of the things that we're talking about or some of the things we're doing, you know the the you know your audience might be able to actually implement those things faster. Um, than, than we're doing. And there's some advantages there too. And, you know, one of the things is we always like to learn from the big guys too. So we're constantly looking at, you know, companies like salesforce.com and, and, you know, another huge companies and seeing, you know, what are they doing that, that we should incorporate into what we do. So I think that, that, you know, that learning that you have from Tony Robbins is absolutely spot on. Yeah, definitely. Now I want to talk to you about webinars, but before I get to webinars, I have to circle back one more time. And the whole concept where we started here was adding an opt-in at the end of a blog post. And my good friend, Derek Helpern of Social Triggers always says, if someone's going to read your entire blog post, they are a hot commodity to you. You definitely want to get them on your list because they're interested. So of course, have that opt-in at the bottom. But I read somewhere, you've had some crazy conversions with that. Do you remember any statistics as to what you're seeing with adding the opt-in at the bottom of your blog post? Yeah, I forget the exact numbers on it, but it definitely helped a ton. You know, we were able to add, I mean, we have a pretty big audience in our blog now, but I think there were, I think there were two things that we did that recently um, or over the past year that helped us a lot. The first thing was adding that opt-in at the bottom of the blog post. You're absolutely right. That person who read the entire blog article and they're at, and then they're, 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 they're really asking you what they should do next. And we talked earlier about having call to action and we have both a call to action to download an ebook or webinar, but we also have the, you know, sign up to subscribe to the blog by email as well. Um, and the combination of that plus on all the forms to download our ebook or our webinar, we have a checkbox that, uh, you can opt into, it starts off unchecked, but if you want to check it, you can, and then we'll add you to the blog email list as well. The combination of those two things, we started getting, um, I think it was more than, it was almost almost 15,000 people, additional subscribers to our blog in like a two month period. Wow. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a pretty big number and we've got a large number of subscribers to our blog now. Our blog gets over a million unique visitors a month, um, but it's, it's through a lot of the things that you're talking about. Um, absolutely. So I think your advice is, is, is definitely right on. Cool. Definitely. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. 
You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers, and I know you're doing important work. And with that, you wanna make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have physical products and I wanna talk about Shopify. Shopify is a user-friendly commerce platform that helps you, my dear online entrepreneur, build an online store and make more sales at any stage of your business. They're the force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other businesses at every size. Let me tell you why Shopify is an online entrepreneur's dream platform. It's because it helps turn your browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout experience. In fact, it converts 36% better compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. Yeah, loving that. And I don't know about you, but as an online entrepreneur, my customer's experience, especially when it comes to checking out, is so important. Plus, not only do they support your customers, they support you as the entrepreneur. Shopify's award-winning help desk is there to support your success through every question and every step of the way. There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash made easy, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. Okay, so let's talk webinars. Webinars have been the number one way that I've built my business, put myself on the map, built my authority, and built my email list. But what I've noticed about what you do at HubSpot, you have a really cool strategy with webinars. I think you probably use them in a few different ways, but can you talk about your webinar strategy, what you've been doing and what you've been seeing with that? Yeah, yeah, the interesting thing for us is um, webinars have been hugely important for us. And again, I, I said the first offer we ever created was a webinar. Uh, and I think that um, what you'll find is for different audiences, different offers work really well, but webinars are one of those things that uh, can be really, really effective. It provides a great connection with your audience. Uh, and I also think that the, the live aspect of holding a live webinar for some people gives them a reason to actually respond to something because there's a specific date and time. But the great thing about a webinar is you also can then record it and then do the archive, which I know that you do as well and then use that as an evergreen offer or some offer that's on your site, you know, uh, permanently. And, um, you know, so anyway, so I think there's some great ways to use webinars. Um, and those are sort of a, a couple examples of sort of how to get started. And for us, webinars are sort of a, one of the cornerstone offers that we use. Um, and you can take the slides from the webinar and turn that into an ebook. You can take the content from the webinar and then write blog articles about it. Um, and so we try to do all those different things. So in many cases, like for one of our offers or campaigns, uh, it sometimes starts with a webinar and then we just get all these other pieces of, of content uh, based on that you know, original webinar. Yeah, I think that 
a lot of people stop at the webinar and forget there's so much more you can create with it. Now, I usually promote at the end of my webinars. My webinars are free and then I give great valuable content. I make sure it's actionable. So if someone buys or they don't buy, they still walk away with something. But I usually promote a product at the end of my webinars. Do you promote or is it just pure content? Uh, We do do some promotion. I think the key is what you want to do to be effective at inbound marketing is always provide value. And value builds trust. And then once you have that trust, you have the ability to do some selling. So yeah, usually at the end of the webinar, um, and we vary it up. It depends on what type of webinar and who is actually attending and, and how much, how, what the engagement of the audience has been with us. But there's always some next step at a minimum, just letting people know that, you know, HubSpot sells software and you can do a free trial here or you can sign up to request a demonstration there. Things like that, absolutely. Sometimes we'll do something a little bit more and maybe morph the content of the webinar toward the end into talking a little bit more about the product, the software product that we sell uh, as part of the content of the webinar, but usually only for the last you know, five or 10 minutes on a 45 minute or an hour long webinar. So I think it is really important to build trust and sort of build up that thought leadership because that's going to make your ability to sell much more effective. I think if you start off selling at the beginning of the webinar, uh, unless you've told people that this is a demonstration or this is a sales pitch, um, if they go there expecting content, you're not going to build a lot of trust and you're not going to build you know, repeat viewers and they're not going to share that content with any of their friends. So it's going to really limit your ability to do lead generation um, you know, if you're, unless you're providing value. Yeah, definitely. Now, do you ever use SlideShare? I'm, I don't know about it enough, but have you turned your webinars into SlideShares? Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. So SlideShare, it's SlideShare.net, and I like to call it the business version of YouTube. Okay. Um, because YouTube, I think there's a lot of, uh, it's great for videos. It's a great site. We use it as well. But, uh, SlideShare is really, is what is the same is video is to YouTube as PowerPoint is to SlideShare. So you can take a slide, a PowerPoint presentation and upload it to SlideShare. You can also use PDFs and other things, but most of it's PowerPoint and it's just, it's just like YouTube, but it's for PowerPoint. And what I like about it is it's a very business-focused audience. So unlike YouTube, they get a lot of high school and college students watching music videos and squirrels, you know, uh, <laughs> water skiing and things like that. So, you know, SlideShare is really about business. So there's a lot of presentations on there about sales and marketing and software development and product design and finance and all these different great topics. So. Um, if you're doing some marketing in the business realm, it can be really important. Uh, and so we've had some a lot of success there. We have a few presentations that have been viewed hundreds of thousands of times. Wow. And uh, yeah, so that's, and again, that, I would equate that to sort of millions of views on YouTube because uh, again, the audience and SlideShare is so focused. Um, but I, and I, if you want some your basic tips, I would say the most important tip for SlideShare, maybe the two most important tips are one, make sure the front page that cover slide is really well optimized for SlideShare. And when you look at the site, they have small thumbnails. So what you want for that main slide on the front page is to have very, very large text that you can still read and it's still appealing even if the slide is shrunken down to a very small size. And you can upload one as like a test to the site and see how much how much it shrinks. Because um, 
people, what you want to do is get people to click on the thumbnail when they see the small version of the presentation. So you need to use a really large font on the front page and then make sure that the presentation is a presentation that can be read and it's not just a bunch of uh, pictures or images that need the voice track. They do have the ability to actually add a recording to it, but most people don't really use that on SlideShare is my understanding. So oh. you want it to be the kind of thing where you kind of click through and it's a very visual and engaging presentation, but you don't need any extra audio to make the presentation make any sense. Okay, and that's I think if you huge. do those things, you've got, you've got a good shot at making SlideShare successful. Okay, so that's what I actually didn't know. So you're not hearing anybody's voice. You're just looking you at can, the slides. Yeah, they do. You can add a recording to it. But it but doesn't sound like that's on normal. SlideShare, I think most people on SlideShare have their sound turned off and most okay. people like to click through at a very rapid pace. So if you wanted to take a webinar and try to, you know, convert that or put that on YouTube or, you know, take the audio from that and pair it with your slides and SlideShare, I've done that. But our most effective presentations don't have any audio. They're only, you know, only the presentation slides. That is so great to know. And when, give me an example of what you would put on that intro slide. Like what would you put? Yeah, what's worked well for us is some sort of an image and you know, I think if you want to have images that are available for you to use, I don't know if you've talked about things like iStock Photo, which is a pretty cost-effective way to get um, images of almost anything. And for, you know, a few dollars an image, you can actually get the rights to actually use it for your own marketing yep. um, rather than taking something from just an online search that might be copyrighted or trademarked or whatever. So to take maybe some sort of an image from a service like iStock Photo, uh, plus having some very large font text and usually something that's asking, you'll see, if we go to SlideShare and look at the most uh, viewed presentations, usually they have some sort of a, an interesting question on the front cover, or they've got, um, you know, they talk about a hot topic. So, you know, when Pinterest started to become big, there were a couple presentations about how to do marketing on Pinterest that did really well on SlideShare. Same thing with Google Plus came out. So things that are topical or things that ask uh, 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 an intriguing question, I think things like that. But again, the, re the important thing is have some sort of you know, image that's going to attract the eye and also have the font be large enough that when it's just a small thumbnail, you can still see what it's about. Okay. And talk to me about that last slide. Is that a call to action? Always. I mean, you know, if there's one theme to our conversation today, right? It's, <laughs> that was it's a trick the end question. of the blog article, call to action. The end of the webinar, call to action. It's just you always want to have that next step. When you think about sales, you never want to conclude a meeting without setting what that next step is in the process because the goal of every step is to get to the next step, right? And the same is true of marketing. So just people, if, if that person does click through all of your slides and they get to the end, you know, show them what you think the next step should be. Yeah. Maybe you want to give them a couple options. Maybe there's only one thing you want them to do, but absolutely uh, you can put links into PowerPoint and those can get embedded into the slide share and people can then click on them. Oh, or nice. you can have, you know, there's, or you can, um, you, you can put a phone number, you can put your website, you can put lots of things there, but absolutely you should definitely never finish any content without a call to action. Never. And for a lot of people, selling is scary and they're just kind of getting used to it, but it doesn't always have to be you sell something. Now, if they listen to the whole SlideShare, give them something of free value that you know that they'll love if they just went through your entire SlideShare. So there's always different things you can do with that. All right, I'm going to put my next presentation on SlideShare. I've heard too many good things about it. I can't believe I haven't done it yet. 
Well, make sure to email me or send it to me on Twitter, and I will definitely uh, tweet it and see if we can get you some more SlideShare views. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we'll find one of your best SlideShares. I'll put it in the show notes so people can see an example of how it's done. So we'll, we'll link to that for sure. Okay, so... There's so much you can do with inbound marketing. I mean, I know we've mentioned it before, but you got your eBooks, your videos, your blogging, podcast and webinars and all that good stuff. But a lot of the people listening have a very lean budget, a very small team and not a lot of time to focus on content creation. But we all know it's a complete necessity. So if you were going to give some advice to somebody that let's say it was a one man or one woman show how would you have them go about streamlining this whole process, but actually taking some action? People feel like they have to do it all. Yeah, it, it can be overwhelming. I definitely understand that. Um, and and it, I think especially if you're a small team or, or even if you're you know, a one-man show, it's hard to uh, it's, and then be able to create this content on top of it. I think maybe there's two tips I would think about. One is if you're having trouble getting started, and just don't even know what to write about or what to create content about, think about the questions that you're getting from people that you're already talking to. So probably in your email box, you've got questions that customers and prospects are asking you. Or when you're meeting with people, you've got questions that people are asking you. Or on the phone, people are asking questions. Those questions can become great, uh, basically, titles for blog articles. Um, there's, a, there's a great example. There's a company called River Pools and Spas. They have one of the most widely read blogs about pools. And they were able to actually cut their advertising by almost half, I think, um, and actually install more pools with less advertising because they built up their blog so much. And all they do is they take questions like, what's the difference between a liner pool and a gunite pool? That's a question that everyone who's thinking about buying a pool is probably asking themselves. They wrote a blog article about that. And when you search on things, headlines like that, which is something that people search on in Google, is what's the difference between a liner pool and a gunite pool? You're, they're one of the blog articles that shows up a lot of the time. So um, I think taking those questions that people are asking you and using that as a starting point to start to create some content is a great way to kind of break through that writer's block and get going. Um, and so that's one thing. I think the second piece of advice I would have would be if you're able to spend a little bit of money, you can actually separate the writing from the content itself. So if you're the kind of person that maybe prefers to talk or give presentations or answer questions on the phone, you can, um, you can hire you know, writers online relatively cheaply, or maybe you can get an intern from who's maybe an English major at a local school or something like that uh, to actually transcribe what you're talking about and turn, you know, your verbal comments into a blog article. I have seen, you know, maybe the owner of a small business who doesn't have a lot of time but has a lot of expertise uh, do maybe a conference call or a short meeting once a week with someone, answer a couple of these questions verbally, and then that writer turns it into an article. So if you have a little bit of budget uh, and there's, you know, there's Contently, there's Xeris, there's, there's these writer marketplaces where you can hire writers at not too expensive of a cost. That would maybe be my second tip. But I think the, the first thing is if you're having trouble getting started, just look at the questions you're already getting. Yes, definitely. A lot of people will ask me, you know, how do I get started? How do I get the audience? And I'll say, well, do you have a blog? And a lot of people surprisingly will say, well, not really. I don't really blog. And I feel like that's the first place you got to start is get those articles out there. 
for somebody that is is blogging, how often do you think they should? I know this is a loaded question because there's so many different opinions, but how often do you think somebody should be blogging on their own blog? Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, we actually have data on this, and I forget the exact percentages, but the overall trend was the more you blog, the more results you get. Yeah. Even up to, we, we now blog multiple times a day at HubSpot. Really? We, I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, we have. We do two to three times a day. Um, we have new articles coming out. And um, we've seen not only for our own results, just for our business, but also even because we do analysis of our 8,000 customers. Uh, and we also do survey work with a bunch of small and mid-sized businesses. And we see from them as well that the more often the blog, the better results they get. So I would say I don't think it's worth it to have a blog unless you're updating it at least once a week. But I would tell you that the more you do it, the better results you're going to get. So the bigger an investment you can make, all of the stats and all the things, the data that I've seen show that you get better results uh, if you do it more often. So true. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. And there's a direct correlation between blogging more and building up your email list. So that's... Oh, absolutely. And you and you are such a big proponent of like the email list is so important. People talk about, you know, marketers and business owners live and die by the, the quality and the size of their database, right? Yep, for, for sure. And they're just, I always say it, but you will make more money in your business if you grow a quality email list. There's just no dispute about it. There's so many different factors involved, definitely. But one of those to make more money is to have a solid email list. So I'm obsessed with it, I guess. I talk about it all the time, but that's why I was so excited to get you on the call because I know you do so many different things to collect leads and build the email list. So I appreciate that. Now, one of my favorite things to read on anybody's blogs are those do's and don'ts list, especially around a topic I'm really excited about. And so you've been in the trenches of inbound marketing for so long. And if you could give us a few of the top don'ts, what do you not want to do when it comes to inbound marketing? Can you give us some of those? Yeah, I would say don't sell too hard, especially in the beginning is absolutely one of them. I've seen, you know, just the other day I was meeting with a company. They were all excited because they've been blogging for three, four, five months and they weren't getting any results. And I looked at their blog and every single article was proclaiming to the world about how fantastically awesome their service was. And no one's interested in that. The people who are really interested in products and services are people that are about to buy. The key to inbound marketing is attracting new people to your business that aren't sure if they want to buy yet or don't even know if they need to buy yet. Uh, and it's building that audience at the top and just getting that initial email opt-in and then nurturing people over time. That's so important. So uh, I think that first don't is sort of like, don't, don't sell, don't sell too aggressively, especially in the beginning. That's a good one. Definitely. Give me one more. <laughs> <laughs> I think other ones would be, um, you know, it's, this is sort of like the, the opposite of a don't or whatever, but <laughs> I think it's, um, don't, don't delay. Maybe it's the thing to do. I think a lot of people overthink this stuff. I think that, I talk to, and it seems like, you know, from chatting with you a little bit beforehand, that you talk to people as well that just have trouble getting started. And I, the hardest thing is always just to get started. So, you know, don't delay, figure out how you can get, you know, one article up and just start going from there, start to build out that email list and start to sort of build things up. Um, you know, the longer you wait, the more your competition is starting to do things like this, um, the more time you're just sort of wasting. And I, I know it's hard to get started, but once you get started, it does get easier. 
It does, definitely. Just diving in and you're not going to love the first pieces of content you put out there. I think everyone cringes when they go back to look at their very first. I know I do. When I look at my first oh, videos. Yeah. Ugh, first I'm, a, I'm still embarrassed by my first <laughs> blog article I and wish webinars. You, I wish they would go away. And that's the beauty <laughs> of the internet. They never do. Well, and that's, and that's the hidden power of inbound marketing too. I'll tell you this, 70% of the leads that we get from our blog, the new opt-ins we get from our blog, yeah. are from articles we didn't write this month. Really? Yes. Isn't that shocking? That now, is shocking. Now, we've been blogging for six years and we have almost 4,000 articles now. Okay, so you have so, a lot. So we have a lot. So it's not like we've been blogging for six months. But the cool part about that is, imagine if my entire blogging team took vacation for a month. Yes. The leads that I'm getting in for my blog, the opt-ins that I'm getting for my blog would only drop by 30%, right? That's solid. That's really yeah. cool. So that, and that's the power. It's like this compounding interest uh, effect that happens with your, with your marketing if you do inbound marketing. If you're doing all these other sort of paid marketing things, you know, the day you stop paying your advertising bill is the day that your ads go away and they stop working for you. But the article that you wrote, you know, four, five, six years ago is still attracting new people to your site from SEO and from social and all these other things, um, even though, you know, I haven't updated those articles or looked at them in a long time. So um, that's really the power of what, it, of what we're talking about. And that's why I think it's so important that you think about getting started and figure out how to do inbound marketing sooner rather than later. It's so true. You know, I use Facebook ads all the time. I'm a huge fan of Facebook ads and I've seen them really make a difference in my business. However, if I weren't doing the podcast and blogging and the webinars, when I'm not running the ads, I'd have no activity whatsoever. So, and obviously Facebook ads can get expensive over time, so I don't run them every single day. So you're so right about that. Well, and, and the ads are great as well, but then think about your organic presence on Facebook and your organic presence on, you know, you're big on Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, those are super helpful, right? Yep. And you need content to sort of feed those channels as well and make them effective inbound tools. So yeah, so it's definitely not a, if you want to use some advertising to augment those things, absolutely. Those can be effective. And I know, you know, you wrote a book about a lot of that stuff as well, yeah. but, um, but again, it's like using those to help build up your organic side, um, Um, can be really, really effective. Yeah. Once you have a good foundation of solid organic content out there, organic activity out there, the ads only make things better, but you just can't live on those ads alone without that content. So they definitely go hand in hand. Well, before I wrap it up, I wanted to ask you a question about launching a product or program online. A lot of people listening are either getting ready to launch or they have an idea of what they want to launch online. And when it comes to inbound marketing, what advice do you have for someone that is getting ready to launch a product or program online? What are some things that they can do to really make sure they have success in this area? Yeah, so I would consider, the first thing is I would make sure that I know really well who is the persona, we haven't talked about this much, who is the persona that you're trying to sell to and attract and make sure that all of the content and all the marketing that you're creating is really interesting to that person. Uh, a lot of times I think people try to come up with more sort of generic content that sort of pleases everyone. And you really want to hone in on us who exactly is the person, what is their state of mind, what are the things that they're interested in, what's the type of content that's going to attract them. Um, that's the first thing. And then I think the second thing is you don't need to be ready to sell something when you start doing your marketing. 
So think about the power of being able to do some blogging and build up your email subscriptions, maybe podcasting like you do, um, you know, webinars, ebooks, all the things that we talked about. You could start to build up your email list before you actually have the product or service that you're going to sell completely ready. And then the power of that is once you have something ready to sell, you hopefully already have hundreds or thousands of people on your opt-in list. And then you can offer that thing for them to purchase. So if you have some time and, and depending you know, what the product is, what the services that you're working with, maybe you're ready to do some marketing before the product is ready. If that's the case, don't hold back on the marketing. There's no reason why you can't start to build those opt-ins ahead of time. Yes, I love that. I think you're the first person I heard say that you don't have to be ready to sell before you actually get into the marketing. And yeah. there's so much work you can do ahead of time. And so many people aren't quite ready to sell yet, but don't waste that time that you could be marketing right now. So such a great point. Mike, it has been such a pleasure having you here. I feel like we touched on so many different points in this, my favorite being the slide share. I didn't even expect to talk about that, but I think that's really valuable for people listening today. But we touched on so many great points. I cannot thank you enough for being here. My pleasure. Thanks a ton for having me. This was great. Definitely. And we'll put a bunch of links in the show notes so people can find you and find out some of your articles and slide share and all that good stuff. So make sure you visit the show notes. And again, have a great day. And thanks again, Mike. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com.